You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. I always like when a guest of ours wears one of our t-shirts because it straight up feels like you're kissing our ass and it's okay with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not above that. I, I had to work to get this one. I uh, like I had to go do a DECA fit down in the States just to make sure I could get a shirt. So, you know, pick one near a friend who could I could send it to their house. And it's the most expensive shirt you'll ever buy. It's worth it. <laughs> so I'm like probably the only one in Canada with one. No, so we did open up shipping to Canada and internationally. Yeah. We just customized the shipping cost. But I think you knew you were going down to the States. So yeah. you had them shipped yeah. there. Cody lives in Canada, by the way, folks. I, I assume we're going to be cutting in at some point here, Bracken, when you edit this thing. But Cody lives in Canada. But it's a heck of a lot closer than where you have resided recently, which is China. And I don't yeah. even know how long you had lived in China for. Uh how long were, was your stint there? Uh, since 08, uh, pretty much straight through. I was there originally in 2006 uh, for a little while, and then uh, from 08 till last year, 2022. So my life kind of runs in parallel now, actually, with China. Like, I'm never not really there. Like, there's always something kind of going on for me there, family or friend-wise, or something that's going on. Cody said he got off a call with an athlete. So Cody's a coach himself and a trainer. And you still have athletes back in China that you coach. So you said you were on a call at 4.30 this morning uh, because that's how the time zones had to sync up? Yeah, 4.30. Just how it had to work today. You have family in China? Yeah, my wife's still actually over there right now. Wow. Yeah. So working on that process of getting a visa, getting her over here, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll bring her down and do some. How long have you guys been different continents? Uh, it's been since 2022, uh, April of last year. So it's Jeez. been over a year now. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a stressful situation. So. Were you forced to leave or it was, you had a choice? Uh, there was some, some family stuff and some life stuff. And we also knew that the visa process and doing all that kind of work and everything would be easier once, uh, I was here on this side. So we mm -hmm. made the decision together that I would come back ahead of her and, uh, just work on it that way. And also at that time, uh, don't really remember, uh, there was a bunch of lockdowns and stuff happening in China. And, uh, yeah. so I basically s just barely squeaked out with me and my dog. So, uh, uh, yeah. Well, my brother met a girl from Budapest and then moved over there and they got married over there mm -hmm. and we're doing the same thing, trying to get the visa back here. Nothing was approved, even though she had been living on and off in the States since she was, I think, 11. Jeez. Couldn't get back in because she has Russian ancestry. So kind of same thing. I think China is a little politically sticky with getting things fast-tracked. So point is, I feel for you. I've yeah. seen it on this end, how you do it right and you go to the office and like, this is good. This is all you have to do. And then you come back like, nope, you need to go see this person. And then it starts all over. And then, well, you should have filed it here instead. And it is a maddening process. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got some more gray hair out of it. So that's, that's awesome. I'm looking more distinguished by the day. Uh, so, you know, some, some positives, some negatives there. I'll go for the silver Fox look real soon. Well, I hope it works out for you. Yeah, it will. It'll get there. 
we're on that last little phase where it's uh, it's just about done. Um, I guess I don't know the details. So what's the hang up with the visa then? Um, we don't need to get too personal, uh, but I'm naturally curious what the sticking point is. Uh, so believe it or not, it's the Canadian government. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's they're right now that, yeah, yeah, I know. Surprising, right? Uh, no, uh, we have a pretty, some would say rigorous, I would say ludicrous, uh, process to get, uh, immigrants in. And we had a 24 month waiting period for visas for family sponsorship visa, like the style of visa that we're going for. Uh, right now we're ahead of schedule, believe it or not, with only being at about 13, 14 months in. Uh, and about 10 months, 11 months since we filed uh, everything. So um, we're ahead of schedule. So uh, that right there should kind of tell you how things are going with it. So really the hang up now is it's just a background check. So we're on the final stage. But yeah, there's like a medical check and a this thing and a that thing. And they fine tooth comb everything and making sure that, you know, obviously you can support them and you can't just bring someone over here and then be like, all right, you're here. Good luck. You have nothing and no one, you know, so I do appreciate that part of it. But outside of that, it's been a little bit uh, uh, yeah, frustrating, to say the least. So hurry up on that background check. She hasn't committed any crimes that I'm aware of. <laughs> this rabbit hole. But one, have you seen your wife since then? And how are you guys staying in touch? <sighs> uh, well, I see her every day on FaceTime. But outside of that, uh Right now, we're kind of just going, if it's going to be a little bit longer, like if we're thinking it's going to be past this summer, I'm just going to go to Hong Kong and we can meet up in Hong Kong for a week or something like that. Because uh, she doesn't, she needs, she actually needs a visa to go into Hong Kong from mainland China. And I can just go there and it's a stamp on arrival and I can see her and a few other people that I've been missing. So, because um, my visa for China is expired and we're waiting for me to get my spousal visa that direction too. So... Yeah, because mm. I no longer have a work permit. I'm no longer working, you know, and yeah, it's very, very strict how they do visas that way as well. So the amount of red tape being cut through has to be exhausting. How many scissors you need to get through all that? It's un unmeasurable, is it? <laughs> uh, they're definitely all dull by this point. That's for sure. Yeah. All I can say. Just start getting the hatchet out and start chopping things. Okay. I got one quick bone I want to pick with you, and then I'll introduce this. But uh, you're really cramping our style down here in the States right now, Cody. The, the uh, You guys in your wildfires are just killing us. We had the worst air quality rating, believe recorded history in Minneapolis yesterday. I was driving home from Green Bay. I'm visiting my sick grandmother, and as I approach Minnesota – um, it is like impending doom, apocalypse now, orange hue, yeah. uh, unbelievable what's coming up from you guys. Are you dealing with any of that up there? Bracken, did you end up getting the smoke and all that down <sighs> your way yet? We don't have the orange hue of death, but we. my last outdoor threshold workout, uh, my phone dinged on the drive there and it said like extremely dangerous air quality. It's like, all right, let's get <laughs> hypoxic here. I think that's how that works. <laughs> that's altitude just, training. Exactly. Poor man's altitude training. That's right. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, when we did the, I did that half marathon last month when it was really bad up here and we're still obviously having issues with the, the smoke ourselves. I went out for a walk this morning to walk the dog and was, it was already like, you can still smell it. it's raining right now. It's pouring rain, but you can actually still smell it even through that. But I ran a half marathon in, in the smoke and 
you know, probably not the smartest thing to have done, but like Bracken said, you know, little, little, little altitude training. So plus you got like a, you flip that mustache up and you can yeah filter. I just filter everything through the mustache. I just let it dangle. You rub some charcoal on it. And you're good to go. Yeah. I'm sorry about that guys. <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. The, you know, Canada is just, uh, it's deciding it's, it's sick of everyone's shit apparently. And it just wants to smoke everyone out. So that, or we're about to invade y'all. I don't know. Like one of the two, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure what's going on. That'd be such a delightful invasion. Just maple syrup candies and like hellos, like a bunch of yeah. Gordon's coffee. On your left. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Just before like, the what? triggers pulled. <laughs> Sorry. So, right, so, hold on a second. I, I it jammed. Hold on. Sorry. All right. Yeah, now I'm sorry. Gonna shoot. Sorry. 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 Uh, I'm the least. Uh, you're gonna find out real quick. I'm the least apologetic Canadian you've ever met. So, uh, you wouldn't want to maybe run into me, but even then, I'm still pretty nice. I would say, hey, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> Cody's an athlete of mine, by the way, folks. We've been working together for over two years. Um, and you have been delightful to work together with. On our last episode with Bracken, we did a speed dating episode. And I mentioned why I wanted to go to Canada because of the loose morals, yet like solid people at the same time. It's a rare combination of like, I will break the law and walk on the fringe of society, but I'm like a really good human being while doing it. And Cody messaged me right away and he's like, I haven't heard it described that well before, but that's exactly how everybody is up here. So Cody confirmed my take on the Canadians. I mean, I might not be the best person for that take considering how long I've been away, but that's that's the way I've seen it. Or maybe I just got weird friends. And also, Bracken, you're wrong. Driving's delightful. <laughs> I'm not against driving. <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> when you hear something you weren't expecting to hear, you're not held accountable for your for whatever comes out of your mouth next. I, I get it. You were like, you were like, like buzzer beater. Like you're like, oh, what? How do I respond to this? This this thing that I never knew about my partner. Like I, I this is this is really bizarre. I don't know how to handle this. So I get it. And you just blurt out you're pathetic, and then you hear about yeah. it for the next two weeks. Yeah. Well, we've all been there. We all understand. Yeah. And I quote: "That is the saddest thing I have ever heard." Was your response to that? And I just. I'll never forget the look on your face. The, the The audience will never know it because of just you and I were looking at each other, but your eyes got so big and puppy-like at the same time and told me it was the saddest thing you had ever heard. And I will not – that's a screenshot like in years of your face that I will have you saying that to me with that face in case you're wondering. It was endearing. We have it. We have the video. Let me <laughs> – let's let's stay sidetracked for a bit. I want to explain exactly <laughs> what I – what went through my head when you said, sometimes at the end of a day, if I have free time, I just want to go for a drive. I immediately went to Rocky IV, Apollo Creed dies in Rocky. Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa just has to get in his car and drive and have a flashback montage about his best friend's death. Like that, that's immediately what flashed in my head is, is Rocky Balboa driving with tears in his eyes because he, he just had to handle the situation by going for a drive and getting away from it all. And that's what I pictured you doing. Just the saddest <laughs> drive through the countryside of just, that's what it did in my mind. When someone just had to go for a drive, it was like, I just need to go mourn the death of Apollo Creed. Had like all by myself playing in the background on loop, like on yeah. the radio, just going and going. Yeah. So I know it was my 
imagery that sent me down the this is sad rabbit hole, but that's the way I'm wired right now. Rocky Four runs most of my life decisions. <laughs> I'm going to get weird with my response to that. Okay. But some people do yoga, okay? Some people sit pretzel-legged on their patio and meditate. Some people, believe it or not, can go for a drive, and it does the exact same thing for them. It's like a mindfulness meditation. Sometimes music, sometimes not, but it's like, you know when you're on a good run and your mind wanders, and you kind of sort, whether it's good or bad, you suss some stuff out. Cody goes for drives, by the way, so he's got my back. But you know what I mean, Cody? Can't it be a little bit of a mindfulness meditation session? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm five minutes from the countryside, so I just go out and there's nothing to look at other than just scenery. So that's that's one of my, that's one of the things I missed most when I was away was you couldn't just go for a drive and be in the middle of nothing and just think. I get it. I just didn't react that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh let let's cut the fat here. Let's introduce this thing. Um, so Cody Futen as we've deciphered. Um, Cody, you and I have been working together for about two years, right? Has it been maybe even a hair more? Two, two and a bit, yeah. Two I and believe. some change. And so I'm starting to develop this Chinese contingency of athletes, and I'm realizing, one, that um, things are a little different over there than here in North America and the States. And and not saying for better or worse, but you're you're in touch with the Asian racing scene much more uh, than most. And then obviously you have a... Obviously, you're from North America. You lived in Canada. You went over to China. You're a coach and trainer yourself. You probably have the best perspective of anybody I know on being able to just chat out one fitness, like the fitness culture abroad compared to the fitness culture locally, and then also talking about things like trail racing, OCR. You have like you just have enough experience in both that like. I thought this would be a very good conversation to chat out because every time I chat with an Asian athlete of mine, I'm like, things are different over there than they are here. And I always learn something new or there's something new aspect that I've never thought about. And so I figured we could chat that all out today um, if you're up for it, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I do have to say one thing off the top. I do love like I think it was like one or two podcast episodes back. You know, you guys were talking about getting some heavy hitters talking about like oh you know like don't don't get me wrong i've been trying to get hold of galen rupp but you just can't get him on the phone necessarily i love that your like backup was like hey let's go to asia let's <laughs> find a canadian guy who no one knows and let's talk to him about racing out there so i like that i'm your plan b that makes me feel really good about myself uh first of all i mean where do we want to start i mean i can i i actually you know, I went to university in China. I did my like my did my bachelor's degree there, and I um, actually got into sports there. Like I actually fell out of sports in high school. Um, so that I'll just maybe quick backstory. Fell out of sports in high school. I had lots of injuries. Um, like both my knees were really screwed up. Um, and I got out of high school, went into university, and my first university roommate loved mixed martial arts. He loved MMA, and he was like, "Let's go find." Uh, let's go find like a Muay Thai or let's go find like a, like a Kung Fu place. Let's go do, we're in China, right? You'd think that'd be pretty easy. It wasn't. Uh, apparently it's actually very, very hard. Every studio we went to, they either wouldn't coach foreigners or you had to go to a, they had very specific rigid like schedules that we just couldn't make work as university students. Um, but we found an awesome 
Muay Thai and uh, BJJ studio that was on the other side of the city from us. So we had to bike 16 kilometers to go train two hours to bike 16 kilometers back to do our fitness. And that's because that was the closest place to us that had the facilities that we wanted to do. Um, and this was 2008. Um, fast forward, you have UFC champions coming out of China, you know, like their, their people were very, very rudimentary in their ability and skill set. Like everyone that was, that was training there. You had a couple of guys who had trained overseas or trained in Thailand doing MMA or Muay Thai, but now you have like Zhang Wei Li as a multi-time champion in China. So that right there is kind of an indicator of how much things have changed since 08 till now. Um, the other way I can put it is I actually did my uh, thesis in university on this topic, actually, about the differences between uh, specifically how it's marketed, because it's a marketing degree that I use exactly 0% of the time in my life, and I won't bore anyone with, but uh, we, uh, uh, I, did a, I did my thesis on this, and it was just the marketing differences, specifically how, uh, you know, it's marketed in media and in uh you know print for you know this is 2010 2011 there wasn't a lot of instagram targeted ads telling these things to do when you say it's marketed are you referring specifically to like like specifically sports like like and we're talking i'm talking mostly like bodybuilding like the the culture like when you watch you've all seen pumping iron right you've all seen like things like that Mm -hmm. in 08 to 2010 2012 i would say like even like that level of fitness, that level of knowledge of fitness is like at that level, like pumping iron. When Arnold was doing that, people didn't really know what bodybuilders were or why they did what they did. And I would say that that was the general fitness culture was people didn't really know why people did fitness outside of if you're an athlete, because in China, you're usually just an athlete. If you're an athlete, you're an athlete and you go down this special route where they put you in a special school and you're doing gymnastics or you're doing weightlifting or you're doing something like you're in one of their teams and they're pushing you towards being a national champion, a world champion, some form of, uh, or you're going to be a coach like they're, you're, but you're down an athletics track or you're down academic. Um, I use my wife as an example. She basically didn't like sports. Like she didn't realize she could enjoy doing sports. She didn't realize she could enjoy just going for a run. Because in her mind, the way it was taught to her was you do this because you have to do this or you don't have to do it anymore because you're not good enough at it. So we're going to make you go this way. How how are they dividing this up? Is, is this aptitude testing from early on? So I can't say I have a very clear um, like uh, I don't know 100 percent how it works, to be entirely honest, because uh, I've actually like I've, I've taught kids. I've, uh, I've actually been a teacher and I've taught children and I've. Also taught uh, kids fitness classes, but generally there's there is like a clear aptitude. Like they do tests and they have like a, they'll have sports days and they'll they'll have people that come around and they'll see like these kids are good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I do think some parents like purposely put their kids in that direction. So there is I think a little bit of like a two stream funnel where they go that direction. But generally speaking, they'll be they'll they'll be seen they'll be seen somewhere, and they kind of have like, for lack of a better word. Like there's not scouting, but there's people who are going to be at the school, like, you know, like the phys ed teacher, for example, is just going to see, oh, hey, this kid is great at these things. They're an incredible, you know, runner. Let's get them going. 
um, in Shenzhen, where I was living, we have the weightlifting facility there for the like one of the Olympic team weightlifting facility. One of the guys who I used to do CrossFit with, his son is in that facility. So I think part of it was that they knew who he was, but also he like, you know, he wants his kid to go and do athletics. So and his kid gotcha. is good at it. Like, so you do uh, you do get a lot of that. If you don't excel from an early age and it's obvious, it sounds like it wouldn't be encouraged to continue is what I'm understanding. Whereas here it's participation trophies and organized um, organized non-professional sports in every facet of every hobby um, endlessly. Yeah. And I'm assuming maybe it's not that way that way there still. Um, it's It's getting better actually. Like they've really made a push to make it less kind of for lack of a better term, robotic sounding. Like, you know, we have this kind of vision of how certain places in the world are. Um, like I got to participate in track and field days and they do really make them a fun, great, wonderful day. That being said, yeah, if you don't just, there's a certain marker they're looking for. There's a certain, like they're looking for a talent or they're looking for like a work ethic. They're work, looking for those little intangibles that you know as coaches that you look for. And if they see them, they're going to go, hey, we think you're a good candidate for x y or z sport let's get you in there and that's why they have you know like 16 year old gymnasts competing at the olympics and why they have um you know like the the olympic weightlifting that they do because it starts young it's funny because everything we do here is not everything but is basically for the not one percent yeah there are a few one percenters that will tune into this but it's basically for everyone else and it seems like everything over there, uh, the, the non one percenters aren't, wouldn't even be aware of pursuing things into life. That's a strange, it's strange to think that our entire sphere here doesn't necessarily, or at least at when you first got there, didn't necessarily exist. The weekend warrior, the, the late bloomer, the person trying to improve themselves fitness or time-wise into their twenties, thirties, forties, whatever. That's a bizarre thought. Well, I think that's like where you can say that things have really changed in the last few years, especially with things like Spartan and some of the other sports and the prevalence of running. Like running is now like one of the main things that you'll see Chinese people doing. Like they just go out and run. There's a trail race every week somewhere. There is a half marathon every week somewhere in China. It's, I mean, it's a huge country, obviously lots of people. So it's, you know, it's easier. Like the numbers there don't even make sense sometimes because of what they can do. Mm -hmm. Like you just, they just, doesn't, you can't do those in other places. Like here's a fact for you. There's been 11 uh, podiumed races this year in China so far and it's June. I think the only other country that like, you know, like country that can rival that is the States. You're talking OCR? Uh, specifically Spartan. There's just Spartan. Okay. There's been 11 podiums, 11 races that have a podium potential for you. And they're like, not to blow up anyone's spot but they're still making money over there on that you can still cash a thousand dollar check usd from getting first place so it's still worth it to like go out and like put the time in and because it's easy to get around china i mean like you take a train there and back it might cost you a couple hundred bucks stay a night at a cheap hotel another hundred bucks and you can get there into a race and back for really really not that much so everyone's going to all the races everyone's doing everything and those weekend warriors you're talking about Man, that's you think that we have a few of them here. That's like ninety nine percent of obviously of a of a race, you know, is those ninety nine percenters. Mm -hmm. That is what has blossomed so much over the last few years is that just there's like there'll be five or six thousand people a day at a Spartan race. 
Wow. And you'll have like, you know, seven or 8,000 go through a weekend. If you have a trifecta weekend, you might have 8,000 people go through that day. So it's caught on quickly from the people don't know exercising an option to now we're looking for the outlet for to all this new enthusiasm. It's, it's, uh, I think um, a good way of putting it is an athlete of mine when I, you know, she was afraid of deadlifting like 40 kg, like under a hundred pounds, right? Like she's her, her whole life. She's been like, you know, fitness isn't for me. Like it's, it's not my thing. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't have fitness. Fitness isn't something I do, but now everything's group classes. Everything's wear Lululemon. Everything's meet up at the, at the, at the, at the bay and do a run together. Like there's just group after group after group. And there's uh, the proliferation of different types of sports and different types of facilities you can use is just phenomenal. Like even during COVID, most of the places that closed closed, but the places that stayed open, like are booming. And it's only like gone further from that since COVID. Mm. You don't see that in a lot of other places. A lot of places kind of like dipped back in. You opened up an interesting um, topic of conversation, and maybe it's my narrow-mindedness. Um, I assumed when we were not seeing payouts in the states for podium available Spartan races that that was global. Um, Bracken, I don't know what your impression was of that, but um, I just assumed. So there's, I assumed as well. I guess there are. Um, country entity runs Spartan races, right? You have your European, the Asian contingency, yeah. Canada. So, so a typical race in China, let's say specifically, that is a non-series race, which you guys are running the series over there. The, I don't know if it's the yeah. APAC series, I believe, maybe, or the Chinese national uh, series. Now China has its uh, own. There... China has a national. It does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it used to span larger than that, I believe. But are there... J- races APAC, that are non-series yeah. races apac okay are there non-series races that are being paid out over there or just series races um to my knowledge all of them oh and they usually pay down to fifth and now part of that is that china uh has certain agreements with every single company that they work with globally so if you're an international company working in china i can't remember what the exact percentage is so please don't quote me anyone um because i'm not an expert on uh international finance law or anything like that but i do know that they have a rule where they get like kind of a majority controlling entity. So the company that controls um, or manages Spartan for China specifically, just China, they get to run the show. They get to put things on the way that they want to put things on within the guidelines. Like, you know, the rules are still the rules more or less. And like the way that they want to do like, like it's a 5k is a 5k is a 10k is a 10k and all that. But they, if they want to pay out, they can still pay out. They have sponsors that are putting money up. Um, and I mean, uh, that's, I, I mean, the growth, you're going to see a lot of growth that way because you have, um, you have more buy-in, like the depth in China is getting better year on year on year, just inside China. And you're not seeing that in most other places. Now, part of it's because it's so new. Like the first Spartan race that happened in China was 2016. There was one to my knowledge, and it was Beijing. I didn't even know Spartan was a thing in 2016. I didn't know who you guys were in 2016, sorry to say. Um, I didn't, like, at all. Like, I found out who you guys were in, like, 2018, I think, when I started to kind of really pay attention to it. So from 2016 to 2017, you have just kind of a very niche thing to 
2023 and we've had 11 races so far this season just in the adult just i'm not even talking about the kids races just you know the regular between series races and regular season races you've had 11 and that's halfway through the season you know they're going to have quite a few more it's very appropriate that we're so u.s and north america centric with our thinking but we've had a few conversations on race brain that is the sport dying off and it's like well maybe right here but if there's a crazy boom somewhere else that'll spread and that can that can raise up or eventually bring it back up over here as well it's it's good to hear that it is booming elsewhere because that's encouraging for the sport as a whole well i have i have some names here in front of me um just this this is just men's i'm sorry ladies um that i've uh, i'm not excluding you i just i i have a bunch of guys names here and i'm gonna say them tell me if you know who they are okay so neil jermaine <sighs> jack bauer here Oh yeah, no this oh, this is Jack. not a Jack Bauer thing. I've got name, I've got stats he doesn't even have. Don't worry about it. I've got a stat Ooh, for you later. He took that person. Hear that, Jack? Yeah, I, Jack, I love you, but I got a stat for you. Um, this is this is this is welcome, folks, to the uh, I teach two white guys Chinese corner of uh, of the running public. <laughs> so uh, here here's are. a bunch of names that you'll have a. Yeah, here we are. Um, we have Neil Jermaine. So, uh, do you guys know who that is? No. So Jack actually put a stat about him just the other day. He uh he's got about a 89% uh podium rate in the men's elite with 27 races with 24 podiums. Um and that's right up behind Hobie Call in terms of percentage. Um we have uh you know let's say here. Well, I, you know him now, but Alex Smith, you know, obviously Kirk knows who Alex is, but most of the rest of you guys well, don't. And uh he's podiums right. I think he's taken like nine or ten of the first place podiums this year so far in china he's undefeated i believe so normally i I, yeah i think can't take credit for him we're starting together next week but yeah he's he's just a good athlete um but he's he's got nine ten podiums this year if you had any racer in north america got ten podiums in a row and in a series races you'd be talking about them you would know who that person is Mm -hmm. uh we have han lin who's been doing it for a few years, about as long as I have. And he's, he's always a podium. Sorry. He's always on the podium. He's had several podiums this year as well. He's had many podiums last year. He's like, he's like a guy that you just go, Oh, he's at the race. Well, there's a spot gone. Like that's another person. I guarantee you, you just don't know his name. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, yeah, we're North American centric and we know North America. And also you guys aren't going to scrub through Chinese social media to find uh find these things right um two questions where would some of the the best chinese or apac athletes stack up against let's say top 10 u.s men or women and then two are the asian contingency china specific since that's where you lived did they know everything about the north american athletes it just doesn't go the other way or are they as chinese centric as we are u.s centric so that's that's those are both really tough questions to answer actually um and I'll, i'll go backwards i'll say um, some of them, yeah. Like, I mean, some of these athletes are like Han, for example, he's Dutch Chinese. So he's from, he's European, but he lives, he's based out of Shanghai. He lives there. He, he knows what's going on. Like he's, he's very involved and he's, he's got a company there that they, they, their team that they're bringing through is just growing athletes and it's grassroots and they're bringing up lots of uh, young people and other, um, like they have a facility, they have a great obstacle gym and 
ninja course and so they're doing incredible stuff that way and he knows what's going on he's come to canada and he's you know taken a top 10 in two back-to-back races he's gone in europe and he's taken top 10s in every race he did in europe when he went through europe so i like his odds against um you know depending on the course you know we're, we're going course specific so many of the north american courses have been you know back in the day hilly and mountainous and kind of stuff that and the general theme with the chinese courses is they're fast flat and there's usually some form of like technical element or like some really sloppy mud and things like that um I think now, because people are really starting to work on their obstacle proficiency, I think they have them, like, I would say that there's a lot better chance that some of these racers just, you'd, you'd see their name in there. Like, you'd definitely see them compete, at least with the other APAC nations for sure. But, um, I mean, you guys know who Liam McKenzie is, right? Mm-hmm. So Liam McKenzie came over to China and he raced an incredible race. Um, and him and Neo Jiming were like a second apart at the end of the race. So uh, that was, and that was a few years ago, that was 2019. So I think with the crop that's coming up, you're going to, you don't, it's not going to be long before you see some of these people come overseas and take a podium and you're not going to, you wouldn't have expected it. Um, there is actually a Chinese uh, age group world champion in the female nine to, I think nine to 11. <laughs> and she took first place last year in 2022. So not for nothing you've got a young group coming up so the current crop i think could maybe not maybe this would always be a top 10 but they'd be a top 15 for sure depending on the venue why would they leave they get paid over there yeah we ain't gonna see him here man i'm, I'm thinking about go- <laughs> i'm thinking about going back just for that reason i mean the wife part pretty you know is important too but you know the races <laughs> that's right i am um, i wanted to slow us down just a bit because i know we're getting into the weeds here but I think I need to understand a little bit of um, we need to set the stage for you, Cody, a little bit with okay. you, you casually just told us that you um, you decided to move to China and go to university there in 2018. Um, can you just so we understand you a little bit better before we start making more comparisons? Um, are, why did you do that? <laughs> why did why did you do that, Cody? Why did you leave Canada, the best country on earth to go to China? Uh, so in 08, uh, I went in 06 uh, as an ambassador, uh, did an exchange program, and I really, really, really enjoyed the country, loved the food, loved the culture. I've always been interested in things outside of North America in terms of languages and uh, history. I'm a, I'm a huge history nerd. Like, I, I love everything that way. So um, I got the opportunity to go and help set up an exchange program between my high school and a uh, high school in Shanghai. And um, from there, I came back to Canada and I worked towards being able to go over to China as a university student. And so that's what I did. And the big part of that was just, uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of from a place that's, it's an in-between, it's a, it's a medium big city now, you know, it's in between two larger cities. I'm in Red Deer, Alberta. So, you know, I got Edmonton to the north and Calgary to the south, so two big cities. And I kind of just never felt at home here growing up, you know, there was, you know, I, I have good memories, I have fond memories, but I never felt really from here. There was always, I always was kind of drawn somewhere else to somewhere bigger, quote unquote. And so I decided to go to Beijing, which is about as much bigger as you can possibly get from a 
city of, I think at that time, 70,000 people go to a city of 18 million. So that'll do it. Yeah, that it was, it was a nice change of pace. Let's just say that. Um, and, uh, you know, once I finished up university, I tried to use my degree. You know, everyone tries to use their degree for something. Um, and I hated it. Like marketing, horrible. Translation, most tedious, horrible, god-awful job I've ever done in my life. Uh, just sitting at a screen and staring at papers and going, well, this isn't quite right. And that's not how a person would really say this. Just to have your boss say, no, I like it. Cool. How, how fluent did you become and how quickly? What was that process like? Uh, well, I, I would say it takes about like a year and a half to two years to really feel confident. Like I, I, I didn't feel confident speaking for about two years. Like uh, my, I had a, my roommate was very, very good at speaking right away. Um, and so I basically used him as a voice box and I was his like thesaurus and dictionary. Like I just remembered all the words and, <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm, had you had any kids. background prior? Uh, I, I did it in high school. Like I took high school Chinese classes. I was very lucky to go to a school where we had a Chinese teacher and she was a big reason why okay. I actually got there. Cause I was kind of a, I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a lazy student. I did the bare minimum to get by and I just tested really well. And uh, she saw something in me and pushed me to go and do something different. So uh, a lot of a uh, lot of credit to her and good teachers who see something in their students and push them to go do something. Uh, yeah. So Miss Kai, if you're out there, thank you very much. You did an awesome job. Um, yeah. So so you get there, okay? But I I am actually very curious about your transition because I know what you're I pseudo know what you're doing now that you moved back to Red Deer, but I don't exactly know. I think you're at an F45, if I'm not mistaken. But yep. Um, but um, so walk through the transition because I alluded to earlier that you're actually a coach yourself and a trainer um, now, and so to to build your credibility here, like what did you what happened? And now you're doing this in a foreign country. You're finding fitness. Like just walk me through all that. How that happened? Um, so you know, through Muay Thai and through MMA, and um, I really damaged my body quite a bit. You know, uh, as a younger person, as a young athlete growing up, um, and then once I got to China, I was healthy and I was doing mixed martial arts and I loved it. But I was very, I would say, mediocre. You know, to get to that next level in a combat sport, you have to like really, really be about it, and it's it's damaging on the body. Um, so I kind of took a bit of a break and, um, I had some family stuff that I had to take care of in between, uh, my third and fourth year of university. I had to return to Canada for a bit and I just kind of transitioned into just doing bodybuilding, you know, bro lifting for a few years, like many of us do, you know, like just tried to gain some weight. I, I was a small like guy, like, I mean, I was 115 pounds, I think when I was doing some of my fights. So like I was like tiny, um, you know, five ten, five eleven on a good day, and 115 pounds. You're not super intimidating. So like most guys, I wanted to add a little bit of bulk. Rangy for that weight class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, got six three arm span, so I had some I had some nice uh some nice uh, jabs going in there. But my uh, I to kind of fast forward yada yada through a little bit of it. I go through a bit of a bodybuilding phase like we all do get out of that. And uh, my health just took a real hit. I was living in Beijing at this time. There was just horrible air quality. 
and I just couldn't handle it anymore. I was uh, starting to cough up some some blood and some you know some I was getting like black like stuff kind of coming out of my mouth every time I'd cough and we're talking 2012 2013 this was some of like the years they had some of the worst air quality there that they ever had due to pollution just straight up pollution or is that pollution yeah okay just pollution yeah so um it left me with a little bit of damage in my throat in my lungs and then uh I moved to Canada just for a little spell, and then I was like, you know what? I got a buddy down south uh, in Shenzhen, guy who I went to university with. This is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. I'll go somewhere where it's nice and warm, subtropical, palm trees, mangoes. It's going to be it's going to be great. So I did that. I moved to Shenzhen, which is right on the bottom right corner of mainland China. So it's right next to Hong Kong. Like you see Hong Kong from your apartment sometimes, depending on where you live in that city and loved it um and when i got there i wanted a gym and i couldn't find any good gyms and i found i stumbled into this crossfit gym and the owners immediately took a liking to me and uh i joined a couple of competitions that they did in-house and i you know took like a fourth and a third and whatever you know right right away like i did pretty good at it Um, wasn't super, you know, like strong, but I had like pretty decent technique and my gymnastic movements were pretty good, probably because I was, you know, still like only 135, 145 pounds. So it's easier to do a pull up when you're that light. And, uh, they, uh, asked me if I wanted to come on as a coach. They said they saw some potential in me to become a coach and they helped me get my CrossFit level one. And from there I started coaching part-time. And at the same time as that, I was working in craft brewing of all things so i was actually working and brewing beer and uh i was uh and managing a brewing company and trying to be fit by daytime and then uh that's actually how i met a lot of people actually one of my former bosses they met me at the bar and i think my i think my interview consisted of me snatching them over my head and bringing them to a full overhead position with my uh in the middle of the bar so that was good it's a, that's one way to get a job. Snatching the individual? Yeah, snatching the individual over my head. She was she was tiny. It, it sounds way more impressive than it was. If I was like it was like a, it was like a 185 pound dude, it would have been much more impressive. But it was like a 110 pound girl. So we can leave that part out. Cut. It stays in. The mustache is making more sense with the brewery <laughs> background. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does make. Now, a lot I'm more I'm sense. I'm hung up on this. Was this like single arm kettlebell snatch, or did you have her go stiff as a board and? What does this look like? This was like a kettlebell. Like she was lying on the floor, got her to curl up, grab through the arm, and just, you know, hiked her up over my head. Yeah, might have been a PR actually. I'm kind of glad I made it because that was a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> fail that rep. Glad you did too. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> this I lose both the job and uh, this person's life simultaneously would not have been good. So, um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of how I move forward, and I kind of made a name for myself and as a as a good coach and as a person who had a good solid understanding of body mechanics and just like kind of just spot flaws and helped tweak and critique things and um a buddy of mine came in and he and his uh him and his partner have a a fitness company called lift on and they uh this is kind of the other side of my life that uh kirk knows about but i'm i do ocr and i do strongman and so i uh met this fellow uh, travis hayes and his partner ambrew and they um 
they had a, they were mostly doing like diets and like kind of personal training inside a smaller studio. And he just wanted a workout buddy, like someone who could just help him out. And so I did that. And me and him helped each other through a really tough 2019 season. And 2019 is when I uh, got my first podium in Spartan Elite. Like I, I'd been running age group before that and uh, mm-hmm. did okay. Like I, I think I took second in the APAC that year for our age group. And I um, finished like, I went, I went to Tahoe that year and managed to finish Tahoe, which 2019 wasn't a great year for that. Hey, hey Bracken, that wasn't a great that year was a for dig. Tahoe. That was a dig, wasn't it? I don't remember what happened that year. It wasn't great, right? I don't know. It's all hazy. It's a little hazy. So managed to finish that up and, uh, you know, kind of came back on a high and uh, went into, uh, decided to do my last race as an elite. And I ended up on the podium that day, which is a funny story in and of itself because it was the same weekend as our beer festival, which was a culminated of a three day beer festival. So you can imagine that that went really well. You were well fueled. Uh, yeah. The, the power of IPA. So you went from marketing desk to brewery fitness is what I'm understanding. Yeah. There was, there was some overlap in there, but yeah. Okay. So you sort of learned fitness in China. You didn't learn fitness in North America or in Canada. You learned fitness in China. Um, yeah, I, I didn't do organized sports in high school. Like you guys come from that high school to college background. I stopped doing sports in high school. I didn't like how competitive things got. I didn't really like the way that some of the people were um, in general. And I maybe this is relatable to some of the people out there. This might be the most relatable part for lots of people is I just didn't like kind of like quote unquote the jocks like I I got along with them fine but I just didn't like kind of the mentality you needed to have to be like a really good volleyball player the the way some of these guys played I liked badminton I was good at it I was good at most sports or I shouldn't say good I I was mediocre at most sports like if I wanted to be okay at something I was okay at it Uh, other than basketball just trash trash at basketball I find basketball players have the biggest egos. Yeah, I find that too. <laughs> mhm. I see what's Get happening here. <laughs> I trashed coffee, driving and IPAs on the last episode and now I'm sitting here outnumbered by people that I pissed off. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that was the secret reason for Kirk to get this on. This was this was the entire reason here. We're going to band together and take this guy down a notch. No, it was not. Okay, well, but but point being is okay. I, because you didn't embrace fitness in Canada, you you embraced it in China, and I guess I just I was hoping a couple of things today. The comparison between sport over in Asia and sport in North America, and then also the like what the fitness culture feels like in Asia. We'll talk China specific because that's where your knowledge is the broadest. Um, can you just speak to it, like? I don't even know how much of a comparative you have to living somewhere like Minneapolis, like I have, like what, what the fitness culture is here, but could you just describe it for me, the way you found it, the way you came into it, like all of that stuff. I'm very curious about it only because this, because I've watched you over the last couple of years, Cody, like you go to these strongman competitions. I see these dope videos of you doing crazy things in the gym during these competitions and you're yoked out of your mind and there's this gym full of people and it looks like there's just this sweet culture and energy um that i don't think we can find as accessibly here but my 
ignorance had me thinking that China would be less infused in the fitness culture than we are here in the States. But then I've lived through you in the last two years. And I'm like, no, like China is living full tilt fitness right now. And so to set the stage, I had a misconception about what was going on over there. And that's why you're the guy that I wanted to ask about it. So now the floor is yours. Um, I guess easiest points to make are just uh, it, there's a hunger for fitness, I would say, um, in China that like when I first got there, maybe I just wasn't aware of it or maybe I was just, you know, too much in my own head. But at least since 2016, 17, 18 and definitely post COVID, mm-hmm. you just I don't know if you could find a place that has more things going on any given weekend um, and just the rate in which things change and the rate in which people want to get fit and want to just be part of a fitness culture is massive. I mean, just like, like even if you just take something as simple as like athleisure wear, like everyone there is like wearing leggings now. Everyone's like, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy, but uh, I'll use the strongman stuff real quick. You know, the first we, we, they started doing strongman in 2019. They had Martin's Lisi's world's strongest man that year come over to China and he did a seminar. Um, me and, Travis started doing strongman constantly and started training for that. And I was doing that alongside some run training that I was trying to figure out on my own at that time to get better during the off season for the 2020 season of Spartan. Then COVID hits. And even with that hit that happened in that period, they grew over 2020. We did a small in-house comp and then later that year did an international level comp and then the following year, they had their own like citywide competition that brought in people from multiple cities to it. That was only the second iteration of that. By the third iteration, they had multiple weight categories, female and male, and like filled and were actually qualifying people to world championships outside of China, partnered with things like uh, OSG, which is official Strama Games. This year's version of it in the 2023 iteration of this strongman competition will be a China-wide strongman competition called China's Strongest. And it's going to have Martin's Lisi's being one of the judges. They have SBD and they have all these sponsors and stuff. That's four years. I don't think you could take a sport in North America in four years to that kind of height where you can fill a stadium, they're going to have like a stadium filled with people cheering you on as you lift heavy things. You know, that thing you see at the CrossFit games, that's like a thing that just is going to be like, it'll be the biggest strongman event that happens in China, but that's still like, that's just something that and it didn't take four years for that to happen for CrossFit. It took, it's taking four years for that to happen for strongman. Mm-hmm. Spartan is still giving out money in China because there's enough people coming in that they can do that the kids races there's like double the kids races as there is adult races so you're getting something like in this year there'll probably be i'm going to say close to 20 races for men's and women's elite and then just of course the open and all that age group and then there's probably going to be another 20 to 30 races for kids and there's that means there's that many people when you get when you go to one of those races that means there's that many more people sitting there, standing there, watching you, cheering you on as you come through. You actually have people at the finish line who are like, yeah, 
I've I've done races where they're like they raced us through a village, this ancient Chinese village, and you had little like seven year old grannies going like, "You got this, keep going," and clapping for you. I don't know if I've ever felt that here. Here. Stark difference from what the like three K national series looks like. You wait till those laser pistols take over. We're gonna have arenas <laughs> soon, Kirk. Oh, that'll ruin it all. <laughs> so, Cody, why? Why? Tell me why. Tell me why things catch on quickly there. The, the Chinese don't know how to do anything but go all in and master something out of the gates. Like, you've historically outdone us. By us, I mean the U.S. when you take something seriously. Or what? what's the deal? Why? Why is it caught fire? I mean, I, I think that that's a big part of it is just that when – there's a when there's a drive for something it's, it's so much easier when you have more people around you who also do the same thing as you right like that that force momentum that momentum multiplier so when you have like you and your five buddies all want to go and do something it's easier to go do it if you have you your five buddies and their five buddies and their five buddies and you know like here's an ex here's a simple one like instagram followers or whatever right like chinese social media if you have like 10,000 followers, that's nothing. But if you have like 1.1 million followers, that's like good. Like the numbers just are different, right? So if you have mm -hmm. connection to someone who has 50, 60, 70,000 people who follow them, that means you get that much more interaction and that much more people who want to buy into what you're doing. So like it's i think that it's just easier to get more buy-in because people like doing cool stuff like that's that's universal that's not a like a difference between us uh here in north america and over in china people just like doing cool stuff and they like watching people do cool stuff because they kind of want to imagine themselves that they can do that too it's also why you'll have like 78 guys in the men's elite starting corral but <laughs> at least you have a cool number of people in there is that what they're still getting these days? Are they still getting 50 yeah. to 100 elites so, in the starting curls? Yeah. Those, and yeah, and like, and you know, like obviously most of those guys shouldn't be there, but they're also <laughs> starting the men's and women's together because they know there's a, there's a faction of women who are legitimately going to just crush 99% of those guys who shouldn't have been there. But they get to have a shirt that says, you know, Spartan Elite on it. And also, I think that China just does, like, I think part of it that helps so much is that they are so social media savvy. They take incredible photos. Every every race I've ever been to, you, you've seen the photos. I have, I have like, just gorgeous shots of me. Like, like I think one where there was, like, blood dripping down my arm. You look like a god, I just look and like it's annoying. God. I know. I've no, I don't ever look that way normally. It's... It's really nice that I think someone took the time to do that, but you don't get those shots. And it's not to take anything away from the photographers we have here, but they'll have like 30, 40 people at every single obstacle. They'll have two or three photographers taking photos. And then the process, you get them in real time. Like that day, you have those photos. You're not waiting three weeks. You're not waiting two weeks. You'll get them that day, which means that day you can post. That way, that day your friends see that you did the race and they're like, oh, that looks so cool. I want to do that. And you go, yeah, let's do it. Let's get you to the next one. Let me, I'll get you ready as a coach. It's awesome. Cause you can, you get so much feedback immediately. There's no way bring so many these. people in. No, there's no delay. And I think that's what really helps is there's no delay. It's just immediate feedback and you have people immediately going, I saw all my friends do it. Oh, my coworker went down and did one. I think I can do it. Like, you know, I've looked at her. She's not as fit as me. 
I think I can go do it or whatever, right? So with cities of 18 million and, you know, hundreds of millions more total than North America, is buy-in at a higher rate or is there just more to draw from? Like, are you truly growing at a higher? Is it more enthusiasm or is this looking like how Spartan looked in the first four years over here, but just with a bigger pool? I think it could be both. Like, I mean, okay. I think you could see, I think you could see, I think there will be like a point where there, you just, you just can't hit too much more, but that's why they focus so much on the kids, like their kids races. <laughs> that's why they have them. Like, um, one of the biggest things that they do at almost every single event is they'll do a hurricane heat. If we don't do that many hurricane heats in North America, we do it, but they do a hurricane heat almost every single event over in Asia, specifically in China that there's a buy into that. People love that style of fitness. They love that style of like, just like, I don't know what it is. It may, it's the, maybe it's that pseudo militarism of it, or just the doing mm -hmm. a hard thing, the camaraderie. They like doing these things as groups. Like you'll, you go for a walk around town. I mean, I, I know Kirk, you saw this in Vietnam, but you go for a walk around town. You'll see like groups of like, like aunties, like they'll be like doing like dances out in the park together at like six o'clock in the morning. And like, that's, that's, that's part of the culture. It's just always kind of been there. So I think that you're getting a buy-in, especially from like younger people, people our age and a little bit older. And obviously the younger, the youth that they're bringing up with this now culture of, Hey, fitness is a thing you can do just for fun. Fitness is a thing you don't have to do just at school, something mm -hmm. that they didn't get to grow up with. So I think you're going to keep seeing it grow and grow and grow. Like that's just an educated guess, but I mean... I, I don't see how you wouldn't have a grow when you a have the numbers and b have more and more of a culture that is about just being fit because it's fun, not because you have to. Okay. So Kirk, this is not exactly in line with this, but it might be. So I'm just going to throw it out now. And if we totally are derailed by it, I apologize in advance. Sorry, not sorry kind of thing. Mm -hmm. As I, I don't, Strongman isn't as much my thing. CrossFit isn't as much my thing. Running is like the thing I'm most passionate mm -hmm. about. And so my experience with the Asian countries, China specifically, and I would say Japan lumped in there, um, not that they want to be lumped together, but in terms of being seen on the international stage of running, you'll see an Asian athlete or two in the 100 meter dash, maybe in a hurdle, and then a 5K or 10K from time to time on the international stage. And then you'll have like 28 athletes in the marathon faster than the second best person in America. Yeah. It's, there's this huge disconnect and it seems like the Asian countries flock to the marathon mm -hmm. and kind of ignore middle distance entirely. So a, I'm curious why, if you have insight to that, because there's tons of rumors that float around why it could be and then b how does that explain what's happening in these other things because i would relate middle distance to crossfit or strongman or spartan race whereas marathon would be more like ultras or mountain running which there is also a super strong contingent of i know that but mm. what it, how does this all work together um i think that we're still um kind of working on specialization something that China has specifically done for years is they specialize like you'll see them be really good at one hyper focused thing mm -hmm. um you see that in Japan as well um kind of as you were referencing um and I think that that kind of plays into it like you know someone who's really really good at a at, at a Spartan race 
might not be because they're good at running. It might be because they're kind of good at a few things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you have to be a good runner to, to win one. But if you're doing just trail racing or just mountain racing, which there aren't, like you said, they're incredible mountain racers. There, that is such a skill that's so specific. Most of those people that are really good at that, they live out in Yunnan. And Yunnan is mountainous as all heck. Like it's it's crazy. Or they're like it's over towards the west. So if you don't think about the western part of China, the more west you go, generally speaking, you got these things called the Himalayas over that way, you know, in Tibet. So huh. um, you have some pretty decent mountains to go up and down and some pretty good altitude to work with. Um, and that's those guys like you know, there's not that many people doing that and then dropping down. But I think that that's probably going to change, too. I think you're going to see more middle distance. And I think you're going to see people not necessarily because they're specializing it, but because they're maybe not they're seeing now like, oh, I'm not quite good enough to be great at this. But if I just go up a little bit or down a little bit, I can be really good at that, especially when people are seeing where some of the money is because there's money in these things over there. If you go, oh, if I just get a little bit better at weightlifting and I'm already a really great runner, like we've got a guy who's um he's a 72 minute half marathoner. So that's pretty good, right? That's that's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I, I can't run 72 minutes in a half marathon. He's he's flying. He just needs to be a little bit better at the obstacles, make sure he hits his spear and he's going to crush stuff. But I mean, he could also just get a little faster at the half marathon too, if he wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I think that one's maybe the toughest one for me to answer on just because of my background. But um you're seeing more people just go out and do 10 Ks and five Ks. And um, you gotta, you gotta assume that if the general population is doing it, that the elite population is definitely doing it there. Okay. Um, And that's, that's, you know, that's just a rule of thumb. Like if you see like, like, you know, a mom and pop going in and doing a CrossFit workout, you gotta know that there's some people who are just throwing down in every attempt to make it to the CrossFit game sometime, you know? And it's the same thing with those five and 10 K and those middle distances. And, um, uh, yeah, I, we'll see. I mean, that was, what was it last, this last Olympics, they had their first, uh, gold in a track for, I can't remember what the distance was or not gold. It was a first medal in a track. I can't remember what he got for what distance that was, but One of the uh, sprints. it's, it's fairly new. Right? Yeah. It was a sprint of some kind. I can't remember what yeah. distance it was, but. Um, it's coming like, you know, it's, it's like the same thing. Like I said before with the UFC, there was, you know, martial arts has been a thing in China for forever. UFC mixed martial arts hasn't been. And when they adapted and came over and you had someone specialize it and really work at it, she's a multiple time world champion now. Mm-hmm. So I could see someone doing exactly that thing, looking at a distance going, Hey, I'm not quite set for this. And I'm not quite set for that. I'm just going to specialize at this or at these two things. And it won't be too long before you see like some champions pop out of there. Makes sense. What's the population of the United States and what's the population of China? I don't know these statistics off the top of my head. Aren't but you, you guys might. like 360 million? Mid 300. Somewhere yeah. around there. And, and what uh, is China? Like 1.6-ish billion. 3, 6, 9, 12. So you're like five to six times the population of the United States. Let's just call it that. Yeah, roughly. That's I mean, bracket math right there, but I'm sure I nailed it. Um, I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> so I'm trying to decipher. Bracket math is great math. Yeah, it's not great math. It's it's terrible math. <laughs> but sorry, Bracken. 
I did a 10% of 420 the other day and I got it right on air. Hey, so, that's impressive. That's right. I'm, I'm a language And then I divided guy, that so. in half. <laughs> to get 21. And I divided it in half. All right. <laughs> yep. But he did have his phone calculator out. Anyways. Um, Bracken, you can speak of this, I, I would suppose, but I'm trying to decipher between like one of three things. Going back to the Spartan thing, I've, if you can't speak about the the pro-level running in China, that's understandable. Although we're working on getting you to be a pro-level runner by China. Trying. So, yeah, that's a whole other side conversation you and I need to have on air, maybe. Shame me into running Cody likes to play. That's exactly been my coaching approach with you, is shaming you into running more often. And it's sort of working. So you PI'd your half marathon by like 10 minutes or something. Yeah, just about something like that. Play as in dabble in everything. As in my background is not running. Cody... As in, like, add his Cody twist to absolutely everything. And if something else sounds more exciting to him one day, he'll just do that because it sounded more exciting that day. That sort of thing. Uh, we'll say that. Well, it sounds Cody. bad when Let's you not... say it. Sounds... You know what? I've heard him describe the same thing as intuitive training. So yeah. I'm saying you're, you're good, Cody. As the person who doesn't have to write your training and see you not follow it, I think you're training intuitively, and I love it. Well, Fun fact, you almost were the person who I wanted writing my training. Almost. <gasps> did I not get back yes. to you or did you just choose Kirk? Oh, oh, we can we can we can derail here. This is this is a fun derailment. Um okay, uh, do I know real this? quick, uh so twenty nineteen I uh I realized my running was shit. Like I just don't have it. Um, you know. I so going into twenty twenty, I was like this Bracken guy, I'm going to reach out to him and I'm going to give him a shout because I want to learn how to run. Like, and I'd heard you on a few things I'd watched, you know, I watched you race and a bunch of stuff and I just liked your style. And I, you just, the, the person that you came across as was really, really inviting to me. Um, and then you ruined it. And then COVID. <laughs> and uh, I actually gave up my full-time job working in brewing, quit drinking and all of that basically in one week after like a very serious kind of thing happened um, that we don't have to get into. <laughs> and uh, I just could, I, you know, I gave up my salary job and I was going to, it wasn't going to exist anyway because of COVID anyways. So I had no income. So I just couldn't reach out because I was like, how do I bring on a coach if I don't have money to pay a coach? And then running public came out. And I started listening to you guys. And then I went like, this Kirk guy's kind of, kind of maybe a bit more my style. <gasps> and uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how that happened. Sorry, Bracken. Sorry to break. No, that like makes that. me feel so much better. I started thinking <laughs> I have an unread message somewhere in Instagram request file or some email I never saw. <laughs> I have to go search Cody's name now and find the time I never saw his message and got back to him. No, you liked him better? Perfect. That's not – I can't control that. That's 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 best case scenario. Yeah. So that's that's my – that's my – sorry. That's That was hurtful, Cody, if I'm being honest, but I'm not the one who's hurt. <laughs> it is interesting, Jack, and how the different the, – the people that reach out to us, though, like we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, and I'm sure, Cody, you're the same way, but – the discrepancy in who's drawn to who and who reaches out to who, and then mm-hmm. who doesn't really care who coaches them. It's like a very, it's a very interesting thing how people connect to people they 
I don't know, listen to on a podcast. It's, I don't know, I can't quite figure that all out yet. Have you, Bracken, figured that all out yet? We certainly have a type, but it's not always the type you would expect. Like I, I certainly get more married couples. I certainly get more people with kids. But right, outside of that specific demographic, we have a couple types that I just wouldn't guess is our profile type. And and what I think is interesting is that it seems like if there are people that aren't sure and they say flip a coin or you guys decide, it almost never works out between us. And I think your retention rate with them is much higher. Like if you know you want my coaching, we work together for years. And if you're unsure, it's like, I, I, I don't know. You or Kirk, I can't decide. I have almost no one left on my roster that was that intro. Hmm. I'm trying to think back now. Like, it's very specifically, you want my type of personality or it's not going to work. Hmm. I'll go back and comb through my, my athletes and get back to you on that. Yeah. Huh. So anyways, well, Cody, thank God you didn't message me because I yeah. didn't. I, yeah. I started thinking we were about to have a, a confessional corner here. Well, I thought you were going to say, thank God you didn't message me. You sound like a whole bunch of work. No way. <laughs> I like that. I, I want someone who's um, either going to follow it to the T or who's going to spice it up. What I don't want is someone who just disappears for weeks at a time and I assume they're doing it, but who knows? I either want to know you're dialed in or you're going to like, we're going to butt heads a lot. Those are the two that keep me engaged. <laughs> well, that's kind of true. Go. I think that. You don't want somebody true. who's yeah. half in I, and I like, half out. Butt heads may not be the thing, but push back a little question um all right well, i was gonna try to get to a, a point to... and we got derailed <laughs> i apologize i don't know how that happened no it's okay um mark it down as a first yeah after <laughs> 380 episodes or whatever it is um what are we on bracken you know i don't know i should know this 320 something 330 no 340s 343 maybe it, interestingly i said to someone the other day we just put our threshold episode out again because it felt like we just put one out. And they said, again, huh? I said, yeah, this is our third time we've talked about Threshold. And they kind of smirked like, oh, you're scraping the barrel. I said, yeah, we did it on episode 62 and 98. Oh, yeah, that was like 300 episodes ago. <laughs> so even though like, we had repeated ourselves, it, it, it just hit me all at once, the amount of time you and I have spent together, that it was a full two years since we've talked about this topic. Even though we've already done it twice prior, it's it put into perspective just... We've had a lot, a lot of time together. He's talking about finding our episodes during COVID. Like COVID was a while ago now. Yeah, this time has just flown by. No, I, I mean I listened to the very first episode. I think the first, probably right after it came out, because I would have been a day ahead of you guys. But like, I mean, Hobie Call was on the was on the call, if I remember correctly. And you're yeah. correct. Yeah, I remember listening to that and just went like, "Well, this is going to have to be my stopgap." Uh, in terms of my fitness, learning how to run, I'm going to listen to these guys because they know a few things until I can hmm. start making some money again with coaching. So that's, that's exactly kind of what uh, designed for. I had both you guys as my coaches for a little while there. That's right. I would go back and do that interview so differently, by the way, if we could. Oh, my goodness. Um, mm-hmm. But that's how it goes. So let me get to my question here. And it involves you, Bracken. <laughs> Um, giving your perspective, I asked about the population difference between the U.S. and China. So let's say five to six times. What I'm trying to figure out is, one, is it China's doing it better, right? There's something that is happening over there that is catching fire and retaining 
um, participants better? One, that's the one of three. Two, is it simply the population discrepancy? Of course, you're going to have 8,000 people because you have eight or six times the population there. That would also make sense, right? Sure. Or three, and this is what Brack and I'd like you to speak on, is there a rise in popularity of something that's novel and new and exciting and challenging? And if you look back at Spartan, this is where Brack and I'd like you to speak specifically, is the rise in popularity that bell curve peaks early? And then what happens next, right? Like Spartan rose for mm -hmm. three, four, five years, really hit its height in what? Let's say 2016, 2015 to 2019, would you say, Bracken, maybe somewhere in there? And then has slowly lost yeah. participation numbers since. So I'd like, one, Bracken, I'd like you to speak on that. What are your thoughts on that? And then is it as simple as a population thing or China's doing it better? I guess I'll kick off. The novel sport is huge. And for a while here, all Spartans talking points were they're the fastest growing sport on earth. And what that really meant is solely through the North American population, they were the fastest growing sport on earth. And so it really did catch fire. And it, I think the genius of OCR is that it captured the joy that everyone as a child has of running or playing, and they applied it to the lost a generation of adults who view running as a punishment or exercise. And so if you didn't already, if you weren't already into running, it gave you a reason to finally run. It, it, it hit all those people, the CrossFitters, the lifters, the soccer players, people who went, I went my whole life trying to avoid running. And now I find myself running because I want to be good at this. So I think that was huge. And then it has like a three to five year like, wooing process where you do your first and you're smacked in the face by it and it's awesome but brutal and then it takes a while to get good at it because there's so many facets you can work on and then your running takes a few years to even start to like see how good could I be and then by year four or five it's we've seen all the obstacles we've done all the venues and that's where you saw the participation peter out in North America in terms of it stopped growing and then it stagnated and then it's started dropping a little, but the elite side grew for a few years after that. And then now that started to drop. So I think their trend they're seeing is reminiscent of the trend we have over here. But now, and I think Cody nailed this is a, this is gold, like the golden age of social media. When we first started, I, one of my requirements, my first Spartan pro team contract was I had to get an Instagram account. So like that kind of tells you where social media was at. I committed to a smartphone so that I could have social media so that I could have my Spartan Pro Team contract. Where now it's like it is a well-greased groove that's used. And according to Cody, and I believe it, they're better at social media than North America is. So combine their natural pr proclivity right now that it seems towards everything he's talked about, getting out in droves and doing it socially combined with the more fertile ground, it makes sense to me why they're growing so well. But that kind of ends my area of what I can speak to on this. I mean, I can maybe add a little bit to that with like, I mean, you guys, we all know TikTok is a thing, right? I mean, TikTok's got a different name in China because that's where it comes from. It's, it's Douyin. It's, it's, I get stuff constantly from my wife about like, here's this person, here's this person, here's this person, here's a thing. And, oh, you should be doing this. Like, she's mad that my social media isn't better because I, cannot stand doing it personally mm -hmm. which is bad i know but 
you know, we had 2020 and 2021. Did you guys race in 2020? Once. Barely, but yes. Yeah, you guys got one, I think, right? Um, Kirk finished, I didn't. Yeah, that, yeah, right, right. I'm just, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry for bringing up another good... I'm just trying to make up, bring up all the highlight reel of, like, the last few years for you, Bracken. So, yeah. Bracken, it just pumps me up a little bit, so I don't seem so uh, unaccomplished. Um, <laughs> but we had we had races in 2020. Um, nowhere else, I think, in the world really had multiple races, and we had multiple races, and that was with COVID, you know, like that was, that was, we, like they came out of it and we were able to race and we raced and people wanted it. So, I mean, obviously everyone wanted some form of fitness after being like, you know, going through that, but we didn't really go through the same lockdown process you guys had to. We were, it was like two, three months and then we were going again. Like there was lots of restrictions and lots of like rules and hoops and testing and yada, yada, yada. But we were competing. Like I did, I think six races in 2020 or five races in 2020 um, knocked on the door quite a bit of, you know, the podium and was on the podium a couple times. Like we had one race that was a stadium race where I think first through fifth were all within 40 seconds of each other. It was a fun race. I think we saw a video of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun one, right? Like there was, there was some great races out that way. Um, and that helps, but that was, we were the only ones doing it. And Spartan, like the global entity of Spartan, didn't talk about it like there was no like we were literally the only ones doing anything and there was no mention it's like it didn't happen and people in china just kept going just kept going it didn't stop any of us from doing it. like it pissed us off maybe a little but we just kept going in 2021 we had us like we had a race series you know i got like you know i had my highest place finish in a in a big race series race and it doesn't exist it doesn't exist on spartans anything <laughs> But we all kept going because we just wanted to race and we just wanted to have fun. So even without those external factors of like, hey, everyone in the West is going to know that like I finished like, you know, whatever, whatever position in this series, even though like no one else is really racing, didn't really matter. Like that was like an afterthought. It kind of just gave you some fuel, a little chip on the shoulder maybe, but you just went out and you raced and you were excited to see the guys and the girls and just go for a rip. And I mean, if that's at the top, it's obviously trickling down all the way to the bottom and because they have so much infused in the youth in China, especially like really pumping up stuff for kids. I, I don't think it's really hit. It's like peak critical mass yet. Like it's, you've got a few more years, like high rocks hasn't even hit mainland yet. And yeah. you're going to have all these new events in the APAC region of, uh, of that sport. And you haven't even had really DECA yet. Like they have their first, uh, they have a DECA mile this weekend in Beijing, you know? So you're you'd like, don't be surprised if you see somebody, on that list all of a sudden on that name roster of top 20 or top 30 people in the world and you don't know how to pronounce it because you know you don't know how to pronounce it because you never heard of them and you didn't know that they were prepping and working and putting in all this time and effort to get there but there's also sponsors like people have sponsors in china like i had sponsors when i was racing i don't have that here like there's support from lots of places so they just, I don't know about doing it better, but doing it more for sure. And more helps. When you have 11 opportunities to race in the first half of a season, you have 11 opportunities for a podium. You have 11 opportunities to have lots of great photos that you post on your social and then everyone else posts for you or whatever. That's huge. Canada has had one race weekend so far. We're having mm -hmm. our second this weekend. Right. That's, you know... 
So why does Spartan, the brand, why why have they ignored the APAC racing, especially during COVID? Because didn't Joe live? Joe DeSena, the founder, owner, CEO of Spartan, didn't he live over somewhere for years? What, why is this the afterthought or cast aside? What is that? Uh, I, I honestly couldn't tell you because I've, I've tilted up that windmill quite a few times and um, my wife probably can tell you some stories about how I was very frustrated. I mean, even like you look at some of the stats, like, you know, Jack Bauer puts together these great stat packages and they miss stuff. Like they just, because he doesn't have the info. It's not on him. It's just they physically don't exist. Like The website doesn't have it historical well, ar- archives and China, of those things. And China's not using the website. China's using its own stuff. Like everything is on an app. That is catch-all. It does everything. So you're getting weekly updates about what Spartan's doing in China. They're not concerned about what the rest of Spartan's doing because they don't have to be. Hmm. They're just concerned about giving the product that they want to for the people that are there. And people that are there want that product because it's fun. Like some of the races I did, like I told Kirk about, like my favorite race is this one called Ningbo. It's this little city outside of Shanghai. And uh, like you'd only know it if you're in manufacturing. Like that's the only reason why you know it, but they have this, they have us run through like farmer's fields. So it's muddy and mucky and undulating. And then you run through the old city. Like it's like this old ancient town that you're running through. So you're doing like a farmer's carry or like, you know, a sandbag carry over canals in this old town. That's fun. Like they're, they're picking a venue that's enjoyable and interesting and cool to, to go and do it in. Sometimes not. Some some of them aren't that interesting. Sometimes you're just running around an equestrian park in the middle of Beijing, which whatever. But you know, you do or you got to do it. I think that is one aspect of the newness and the growth cycle is that early on, I think over here they were very interested in bringing the coolest locations and venues to the people and putting on a show. And now yeah. all the iconic venues are the old ones. I, I can't think, Kirk, of any venues we've added in the last five years outside of maybe Kelowna in Canada where people went to it and went, this mm-hmm. is spectacular. Now it's kind of like, yeah, hey, we're going to plop one here because it was there or it was cheap or it was we could fit our parking. And it seems like China as the franchise is in that stage of let's find something cool. And then yeah. the uh, I assume your social media is run by gurus over there. Spartan social media. Our social media team for Spartan has for years been almost volunteer basis and kind of who can we fill into it and they're wearing multiple hats. It's not necessarily the way you would fill it if you were a company that needed a lights out social media campaign. Well, and and you don't even just see this just in Spartan, like you see this in multiple things like um like the strongman events I've done. You know, the strongman events that Travis has put on with Lift On, like we had a big screen, like multi-tiered multimedia thing going behind us. And we had smoke machines and we had like the whole studio was done up in a way where it was incredible. And it was live streamed. We're doing live streaming of a local competition and we have like thousands of dollars put into making it look epic. You don't even have, like, you go and do that same competition around the corner here, you're going to be in a garage gym or at the basement of some place with, like, heavy metal music playing and you're lifting old rusted stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't have the same feel. Like, there's, there is a level of um, pageantry, I guess you could say, that's put on and that definitely helps sell it. And that 
trickles down into everything or it just makes the whole product seem that much more enticing. Yeah, atmosphere and running and in races matter. It either needs to be like, and we've seen it with High Rocks. They put on mm-hmm. a show. You feel mm-hmm. like you're at a concert or a festival. And as a result, they're growing numbers where DECA is like the most blasé, sterile environment ever. You either need it really rustic and grimy and gritty or mm-hmm. you need pageantry. And yeah. a lot of ours have started to fall in that middle ground of it's fine. Yeah. But that doesn't come through either way. You can't sell it as gritty and primal, and you can't sell it as a once-in-a-lifetime experience. No. No, I agree. Like, it's 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 kind of where we're at. Like, I, I've actually really enjoyed the decas that I've been to, but I think it's just because compared to other things that have happened lately, it's mm-hmm. they, there is something going on, but I haven't been to a High Rocks yet. So, I mean, I don't have a comparison that way, just from what I've heard. How come with all this talk I can't find Spartan Race China on Instagram? Uh, they have a they have one account. I think it's the official China uh, Spartan China. Um, but like there'll be like six posts. Yeah, there's 170 like, some followers. Yeah. So how is there's, I mean if followers. they're so good at it? So it's not you're not going to see it on Instagram because they don't care about Instagram. It's going to be on you're going to have it on um, the Chinese social media which is Xiaohongshu. You're going to have it on Weibo which is like Chinese Twitter. Uh, Xiaohongshu is kind of like their, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's, it's where all the, it's where all the influencers are. Okay. Like if you have like 60, 70, 80,000 followers there, you're going to have traction. Okay. Like it's that they, they don't need Instagram. That's the thing that's so like, they don't need any Western social media to do anything Got it. because they have so I much. I thought Instagram like, was the foreigners who are there is global of importance yeah but you need a vpn right like you need to have you have to you have to vpn just to get on instagram to you know if you're there so unless you're a person who's interested in western media or finding some of that stuff and lots of people do but you'll see it from individuals you'll see lots of individual people who are doing races in china will post on their thing so if you look up the hashtag i'm sure you'd see more photos but you won't see a lot of like their actual official account Hmm. Okay, so let's uh, let's cut to the chase here, Cody. Sure. Cut to the chase. Here. <laughs> Two main things I want to know by the time this thing wraps up. Very simple. I want you to give me the top differences or similarities between North American fitness culture and Chinese fitness culture, for starters. And I want you to give me the top similarities or differences between the OCR scene. We've touched on a lot of these already. The OCR scene in North America and the OCR scene in China. Let's start with the fitness side of things. Can you just walk me through whatever comes to your head first, right? Similarities and differences between the Asian fitness culture and the North American fitness culture. Uh, so I'll go differences first. Like I said, there's kind of like, there tends to be a bit of a specialization focus in Asia where people just, they kind of get in a track and that's the thing they're going to focus on. Like they might do trail running and OCR. They might do just OCR and kind of like what I do, which is OCR and strongman, kind of a little bit of an overlap there, but they kind of focus on these kind of paths. It's not always the case, okay. but they kind of follow it a specific route or if they're doing like road running they're still keeping in the same distances they're used to like a five a ten a half they're not going crazy usually with it um and then the amount that they like to do it together 
they like to train in group classes. They like to have yoga together. They like to have Pilates together. They like to have, um, you know, and any kind of group class, CrossFit, F45, all those things. They love doing stuff as a unit. They like to compete. A lot of times you'll see them competing individually, but as a training mechanism, they really like to work together. Um, whereas here in the West and in North America, we like to, that lone wolf thing. You know, we like to be on our own. We tend to, you know, have the garage gym where it's just you and maybe a buddy throwing down. We, you know, we don't necessarily join a running group to join a running group. Uh, you know, we just go out and do our thing, and get the work in, put your head down. And we, we glorify that in the West. We glorify this idea of put your head down, grind, and just go in one foot in front of the other on your own. Go your own way. Do things on your own. Whereas there, you'll have a group chat with 60 people that are talking at minimum 60 people just saying, hey, that's so awesome. You did such and such. And wow, you're incredible for coming in and doing a double today and blah, blah, blah. So I think that that's kind of the main main differences fitness wise currently in the in the current era is that they're just a bit more unit un, like in that kind of they want to be together. And we're still kind of just wanting to do things by ourselves. Um, and then with. OCR specific, um, I think speed, like I know we have lots of fast, fast guys um, and girls and people over here in the West in North America, but there's a foot speed on some of these, these folks out in China. Like I, I, like I joked that I was slow, but like I am slow compared to some of these guys. Like we had a 214 marathoner, like as one of the guys who I regularly had to race against and he's just fast. There's a guy with like a hundred K like mountain trail marathon record. And like, I don't think he's ever lost a race when he's shown up to a race or at least he's been on the podium. So, um, they, they have some speed, maybe not enough of the strength that we would see in some of our types of OCR, but the OCR, the way that the races tend to be set up in China, they tend to be kind of a little bit more gritty with like lots of water crossings and swims and having to carry stuff through stuff and really nice, like kind of unique uh, terrain features that they try to include as much as possible with their races. And um, ours are kind of getting more sterile and they're still kind of keeping things a bit more raw, I guess you could say. And we're kind of moving to that like more sterile 3k. We're trying to keep it the same when it's not the same. We don't necessarily enjoy it because maybe we couldn't prepare for it the way we wanted to, which is, you know, not an, not a comment just a just a thought yeah that's that's my that's my my main takeaways i guess you could say what about similarities uh similarities um i mean depth i think depth is getting there now actually and maybe it's because there's been some depth that's bled out in the west but i think now like in the men's side i've got a list of names in front of me um of everyone who's like most it's like the top 10 guys top 10 top 15 guys now there's just so much more and we're not even having people come over from hong kong anymore we're not having people come over from um like not always there's the odd guy that have the odd person that's come over but we're really just seeing kind of just people who are in the mainland racing in the mainland so that can be foreigners and stuff as well but we're just not seeing you know I used to have people come over from other places to try out races there but the the depth is enough just internally um, in both places now that you can have, like when you look at the top 10, you know, there's usually a pretty good, like, you know, the gaps aren't crazy. You're not seeing like first is here and second is here and third is here. And then like 10th is like 10 minutes later, you know, 
you're seeing it more be like 30 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute, you know, and just like normal logical gaps between which we didn't see before. It used to be a difference. And now you're seeing that being kind of the same, like the, the like Asia's catching up that way. There's more depth of field. So I would say that that's a similarity. Um, and I think, like I said before, kind of that hunger, just hunger to have fitness and get out and do stuff. We've always had that in common. Like we, we like to think that there's a lot of big differences and there are, but in that very fundamental, just go out and run with your friends and see who can win. That's, that's, we all have that. We're all, we're just all enjoying that. So you talked earlier that you think there's some middle distance dominance or at least, um, dots on the map coming for China. If you look ahead to the hybrid sports and OCR, we'll lump it all together. Where mm-hmm. will we see our first APAC podium at a world championship? Is it going to be OCR? Is it going to be DECA? Is it going to be Hyrox? Is wh- wh- where does that country, like where where does their where is their success going to come from first? Good question. You know, I I have this girl down. Her name's uh, Wang Zidin. She's the one who came first place last year at the World Championship for the nine to eleven uh, age bracket for the girls. Um, she also has a DECA, uh, I think DECA mile for her age group world record. My money is like someone like that, like someone who's coming up in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Not, It's not going to be, it's not going to be one of us. Sadly, it's probably not going to be one of the guys who I named earlier. It's probably some, uh, someone who's a little younger than me and younger than some of the guys like I've mentioned before. Um, but don't be surprised if it's a, it's a, if it's a woman. Like, like really, it's it's most likely going to be a female who's going to come in because um, there's just that like that's where you the the change really shifts. I don't know if I touched on this earlier. I don't think I did, and I that's a failure of my part. But most of the athletes I've coached are female. Most of the people who come in and do want to try hard stuff and get into strongman and get into Spartan and get into hybrid, they're all female. 90% of my athletes I have are female. Mm-hmm. And so don't be surprised if it's uh, female coming up from some of these younger age groups coming up. And I could see it in OCR, but I could also see it at a DECA. I don't know about High Rocks um, just because it hasn't happened yet. You know, they haven't had one. I'm not sure when they're going to have one. Um, they'd have to go still to Hong Kong. They'd still have to go somewhere else in the APAC region from China, yeah. mainland. Um, so, uh, but that's, that's kind of where I see, I could see this girl, for example, like crushing it in a couple of years, you know, if she keeps on this trajectory, like, you know, she's, you know, depending on how things change, if we keep with this 3k format, how things go, who knows, like, uh, I mean, it's less travel to, you know, Abu Dhabi, right. Mm-hmm. For it's, maybe it's not backyard, but it's, it's not that far away. So, um, but I could see OCR, um, us having a, like a, an Asian champ coming out of there not that long from now. So I'm curious about that because growing up in the United States, you hear things about female roles in China. Mm-hmm. And in the newer sports, I mean, you mentioned Zhang Weili. She's the best Chinese fighter I've ever seen, male mm-hmm. or female. Like We've had Chinese fighters before, but yeah. no one that even looked the part like she does. Like She is a wrecking ball. And if you look at CrossFit and if you look at um, <clears throat> some of the other newer sports, 
the women do seem to be progressing to a higher level quicker. And mm-hmm. I would have, in my own you know, blindfolded view of the world, assume that they would have to lag five to 10 years behind the men. The men would get into the sport, they would establish it, and then it would become acceptable for women. So what has led to this? Um, they just do more. I think part of it's um, how things have shifted. There's more women. There's less women than men in China. So that's part of it, right? Like there's, it's starting to even out, but for years um, they've had that issue. They had the one child policy and then they had a two child policy. And now they have a three child policy. It's basically just means that they've opened it up. Like they need more kids. Their, their population is set to decline quite a bit actually over the next 25 to 50 years um, because of uh, the way that they, those child policies worked. Um, women in sport has changed so much. Like even just the mindset of how women have trained in China has changed. And I, I got this directly from some female athletes of mine, but like, I'm sorry for folks who don't want to hear this, but you know, there was like a real concept, like you have these traditional Chinese medicine uh, thoughts and some of these prescriptions that they used to go by where women, like if you're having your period, you don't train, like you just, that's a week off done. Mm-hmm. And now women train, like they're like, oh no, I train through my period. Like I, that's no problem. And that's like, that's, you don't, when you don't realize like that, that's actually a huge cultural thing to shift in itself. And because so many of their girlfriends are going out and doing stuff. Um, my wife walks around with like a Spartan shirt and she's pretty fit and people come up to her and they say, Hey, I see your shirt. Like, how was it? Like, you know, yada, yada, they talk with her and that makes them very approachable. So it makes it easier for the next girl and the next girl and the next girl to have a role model and see someone that kind of looks like them and bring them up. The men's field, I would definitely say helped like, you know, kind of bring in the sport for sure. But the, where the depth there has been like, you know, we add one or two guys, we lose one or two guys a year, kind of like in the West, sometimes three or four jump in, in the new year. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same guys. Like I'm looking at a list of names and it's most or more or less the same guys for the last at least four years, three years with a couple of newbies added in the women's. There's some classics. There's some people who've been there for the whole time. You know, you got Kimmy Isom and some of these people who've been there for a while, but you have all these new names and if they stay in it and they tend to stay in it a little bit longer than what we're seeing in the West, like they actually kind of stick around, especially from these younger ages. That's why I think we're going to see that. And also they're just training. They're training the same as the guys are. They're not training differently. They're not doing anything, you know, that they're like when someone comes in and like I, we're, you know, we're doing strongman or whatever, and we're throwing sandbags over our shoulder. Some of the girls there are throwing heavier weights than me over their shoulder. Like they're picking up a 200 pound sandbag and tossing on their shoulder. If you're another person, you see that you're going to go, well, she can do it. I can do it. Hmm. And that's going to help grow the sport just because of that alone. Because it's easier to think you can do something when you've seen it done in front of you. Um, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> I don't know if it's a an an- fully answerable question, but it does as good no. as I think we can get out of three white guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise to all the listeners who are listening. My name is very white. <laughs> so what are... Uh... As we look towards wrapping this thing up here, Cody, what's your, uh, what are your plans? What is your soaking it all up? Now you're here. You used to be there. 
what are what are your plans for for racing and sport and all that based on you soaking up the past few years of competition and training and all that where's your head at um well i think you know um you know this last year when i tra- i came back it was a pretty tough transition from from living abroad for so many years and um i've had you know i've had some injuries that i've been having to work through for you know a decade now more or less and uh i just wanted to get more consistent with my running which is always the toughest piece you know right now i'm dealing with some shin splints that we that we've talked about and that's kind of had me a little bit bummed because i was on a good streak of i hit two months straight of all my run workouts you know there wasn't anything missing and that made me feel pretty good and i still struggle with the concept of calling myself a runner so uh like i you know been doing it for years for a few years now but i still struggle with that um but uh i'm really enjoying the hybrid stuff i feel like the hybrid stuff really kind of plays into some of my strengths that i've had you know coming from crossfit coming from strongman it's just my engine you know i really got to work on that engine and make sure i can keep that output high um the work rate is fine when it's in isolation but it's still a bit of a struggle in those longer efforts so um you know i tried out a few deca fits i really liked them managed to get my time a little bit faster um would like to get you know quite a bit faster and uh you know i've got a deca strong this weekend so looking forward to that just try and get a better mark there and try and get under the 13 minute mark with that one so yeah uh just keep working keep getting faster keep uh increase my ability to sustain that speed and uh hopefully by next year i can push towards being at a world championship of some form i'd really like to go in uh in the deca fit arena and and compete at that uh at that as a as a you know a canadian going down there would be really really cool but also kind of representing a couple places you know with um you know a lot of that fitness coming from having worked out with those wonderful people over in asia and also, if I can get over that way and get a couple races in, you know, early in the season, you know, there'll be races starting in March, February over there. So it'd be nice to get a couple in early. Mm-hmm. It would be good to get a Canadian uh, down or Chinese or however you want to look at yourself to the DecaFit World Champs because I believe it was entire U.S. contingency, wasn't it, Brack, in this last year? So we could use. I think didn't we have? Uh, I think you had one foreigner. I think you had one guy. Blanking on his name. How am I blanking on his name? Maybe one Australian. Just went after the Murph record. Chris Woolley. Woolley. Chris Woolley came. From Chris that? Woolley. Yeah, it was I thought. Woolley. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. I thought Chris was there. We interviewed Chris. Okay, yeah, maybe he... there was one, but we could use more. No, I mean it's 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 it, it's it's good to have a full. Oh, and Anas. And Anas, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moroccan, I believe, from the UK. Does he live in the UK? He's a man of the world. I don't know where he's currently living, but I think he's UK-based. Oh, silly me. Well, I had one more question for you that I wanted you to answer, um, both as a coach and as an athlete. So do I, Kirk. I'm I'm sorry. I have one more, too, as well. So I know you're wrapping up, but we're going to have something that is (laughs) not at all about wrapping up, nor is it about Cody, and it's going to be shoehorned in at the end. Well, here's the thing. I'm learning to start to wrap these things up at an hour 45 because I know how this goes. Mm -hmm. And when I say let's start wrapping it up, we'll end up at two hours anyways, and that's how it goes. So this uh, this is what I'm expecting. 
Um, no, my last question for you is both from the coach's perspective and an athlete perspective. What is your best advice for a strength-based athlete, which you were before you found endurance athletics? What is your best advice for somebody transitioning from strength-based athletics to endurance-based athletics, such as OCR, Spartan, trail running, whatever? What do you, what do you got for me? What are some of the lessons you've learned or your advice? First of all, realize it's going to take a lot longer than you maybe thought. Like if you, if you just know how to like, like, and not that I'm like a pure strength athlete either. Um, I tend to do better in, in, in kind of some of the longer, more grindy types of events in strongman, like a, like a one pure one rep max, like log press wasn't really my jam, but you know, 70% for multiple reps, you know, was always fun but realize it's going to take like a long time. Um, and ideally you get a coach if you can, um, who can kind of walk you through the process because, uh, you're going to want to put too much too soon and you're going to put the stuff in the wrong places. Like, you know, that, that heavy strength day that you do on Monday, that's supposed to be your recovery hit accessory work. You know, don't, don't be stupid because Tuesday almost guaranteed you've got a quality day and you're just, you're robbing Peter to pay no one. Like you're just not mm-hmm. going to get the best bang for your buck that way. And I mean, if, if you're listening to this and you're a strength athlete, uh, kudos, that's awesome. I like it. That's, that's the same thing I did is I, you know, found you guys because as a strength athlete, I knew my running and my endurance was my issue. So it's going to take you so much longer than you think. And it's, you're going to feel like, uh, Sometimes it'll demoralize because you're going to sit there and you're going to go, oh, wow, my recovery day is like an 838, like around a nine minute mile. And I look over at my coach and he's got 136 beats per minute heart rate and he's going like 630 per mile. And that's going to make you feel real humble for a very long time. And you might never get there. Um, But your strength is going to increase, weirdly enough. Like my, my ability to push through sets, my ability to to exert myself and my ability, especially on the longer kind of grindier events and multi-day events and multi-events in one day during a competition, I was able to recover so much faster than any of my competition that like I was able to just like place higher because I still had stuff in the tank that other people just didn't. And uh, that was a huge uh, like kind of like an unexpected kind of boon that I received from it. So um yeah like so sum it up wait for it it'll happen it'll take time and um just realize that it's going to have some real good gains for you on the back end um in a number of ways you were probably not expecting and then also if you're like you know if you're kind of a a rig shaker if you're a little bit heavier or if you're a little bit more uh like you know a 6 to 220 pound person who's uh used to tossing around some atlas stones and you want to start running, make sure you got some cushion on your feet and uh, make sure you're not overdoing it on the volume. Grab a rower, grab some other form of, uh, you know, cross training in between for your, some of your recovery stuff, but make the skill portions like work for you. Like make sure you're hitting those skills, the way they're supposed to be hit as much as you can. So you can really get the most out of them. I think that's good stuff. Sermon over. (laughs) Yeah. Follow up question then. Do you have to sacrifice strength to get faster, Cody? Um, you know, 
I haven't been hitting as much pure strength, so my strength has gone down a little bit. But in terms of like my output, like if I needed to output, I mean, I did some rack pulls the other day, and I know not a full deadlift, but it's part of something I do quite a bit because um, I have a back issue. And I was still pulling like, you know, 560 pounds for sets of five and just focusing on core control, and I didn't have a belt on or anything. So, and you know, my sled pushes and all those things are pretty good. And some of those big power output stuff, like I pick up a 200 pound sandbag and toss it over my shoulder a couple times a week. And I don't really feel like my strength has evaporated. Like my one rep max strength has probably gone down, but I just haven't focused on it. I don't think you have to give much up. I don't think you have to give anything up, actually, if I'm being really honest. It's just you're going to have to find a really good line to walk. Um, and it's going to be tough and you're probably going to have to give up a little at the beginning to get some of that endurance. But once you have it, you'll be able to bring it back up and, you know, you know, if, depending on what you have coming up, if you've got a Spartan race, get ready for that. If you've got a high rocks, make sure you know how to run. It's a running race. It's not a, it's not who can push the sled the fastest. It's 8k of running with a sled push in there. That's, you got to be able to run. So, and that's something that took me a while to get through my thick skull as well that these are running events so if you're trying to get a little bit better or even if you're doing even if you're doing like crossfit or something you know like some of those guys they just don't run enough they're not getting the or they're not getting the endurance piece enough to be able to sustain a high work rate um so yeah uh i don't think you have to give up i don't have to give up strength that's the the two second version don't have to give up strength you're fine well from your chicken scratch log that i get the privilege of reading every week which is a real treat to decipher sometimes for me. Um, in a year's time frame, you took eight minutes off of your half marathon on the same course. Yep. Right? Yeah. So you took off 45 seconds per mile, and your strength numbers are no different today than they were a year ago. So to say that I believe you can keep most of your strength, to keep most of your strength and get faster, like I've seen it done with you. Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe I'm a rarity, but I mean, uh, I, if you just, it, obviously it's a lot of diet and making sure you hit the recovery pieces and making sure you're in touch with your body. Like you can't be silly. Um, and knowing where to adjust and where to add stuff in and take things out. But, um, yeah, like I, I've, I've, I've been able to hit roughly the same weights for roughly the same amount of reps as I used to be able to do. And yeah, I took. And also, let's be honest, like the half marathon distance, that 21.1K is not my preferred distance either. So I felt uh, I felt that that was pretty good. Well, Kirk, let's finish on that. That's a message people need to hear. Mine doesn't fit this at all. Let's let, let's wrap right there. I like it. You sure? All right. Well, where can people see you the rest of the year, Cody? Just so they heard you on the podcast and now they're like, oh, I want to meet that guy. Or let's say, let's go fist bump Cody. Where are you going to be? Um, I'm going to be at uh, some DECA events here in uh, Alberta. I'm going to hopefully drop down to Orlando for that last DECA fit there just to see if I can I might see you some, there. rub some elbows with some people. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see you there too. It'd be fun, nice to finally meet you. All right. Roll music. Roll music. <laughs> no, thank you guys. Appreciate it.